Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find major podcast content you can find kyle and i for some reason connect with us on social media at longhorn pod on twitter facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who is so excited to not report to fall practice tomorrow kyle carpenter kyle how are you you know, uh, I do remember the excitement of of the first day of practice, and you're giddy, and you just get to you get to put the pads on, you get to you know, it, it, it is exciting the, the 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 smell of football in the air, uh, it is exciting. But man, my bones, my knees. I was uh, on a dance floor at a wedding, and they talked about I don't know if it was the shout maybe, and it's a little bit lower now. And there was a point I was like, no, I, there is no lower for me. I'm an old man. My body it creaks in ways it did not in my 20 so uh so yeah I, I am glad to not be getting hit by some of the monsters uh reporting for practice tomorrow in uh in austin i will never forget my first like actual fall camp in fre- freshman year having to run across the entirety of our high school campus 5a high school campus in central texas because the field house was on the exact opposite side of the old baseball field that we had to use for freshman practice because they hated us but We're not here to talk about random memories of Shirts, Texas. We're here to talk about some football. Football is just a few weeks away, and so we are continuing our season preview uh, programs. If you don't know what we're doing, we go through each week of the Texas Longhorn schedule during the offseason to get somebody who knows them better than we do to help us preview. And this week is Iowa State's run our friend Levi from Wide Right and Natty Light on to help us preview the Cyclones, then we'll close the show out today with a little Godzilla-tron. So you may be shocked to hear this, but we are 30 days away from actual football being played and not Twitter finger football as we have been playing over the last few weeks. But because of that, we are barreling through our Big 12 previews, and we've got our old friend Levi Stevenson of Wide Right and Natty Light and Wide Right and... and streaming and like all sorts of stuff like levi the renaissance man the man who does it all man how you doing tonight i'm good how are you i couldn't complain even if you wanted me to (laughs) we we you know i'm sure that extends to all members of the big 12 conference that there is no complaints whether you know you want them or not so we're all, all probably in the same boat no, but seriously, like Levi is is a busy man, so we appreciate all the the, the time he cut out for us to, to do this. But um, we we would be remiss, Levi, if we didn't start uh, with with the thing, right? The thing that we're all talking about the the Twitter the thing, right? So uh, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what's happening, I don't know how you got to our podcast. We're glad you're here, but I'm not sure what you're doing listening to us if you don't know what's going on. So the uh, the Longhorns and the Sooners are officially have been accepted to the SEC, meaning that the Big 12 is shifting. And, and so Levi is here as a representative of Iowa State and Iowa State University and really just the state of Iowa. I think I know two people from Iowa and I like you more than the other person, Levi. So that's a, that's a heavy burden for you to wear. Uh, but 
But um, so from your perspective, Levi, we're, we're trying to just get a little bit of thoughts from from everybody that comes on that uh, is impacted by this. Like, where, where are you sitting right now? Uh, like, what, a week-ish, a week and a half removed from uh, everything blowing up? Uh, yeah. So it's funny because, like, it was like the Thursday before that we recorded our Down the Pipe and Natty Light podcast forever. And on that thing, on that, on that thing, I, I was complaining was like, it's pretty boring like nothing's been going on or anything like that like we haven't had anything to talk about so we're just like i just want football season to get here because i'm tired of just rehashing the same shit about the same about i would say football this whole time or whatever and then literally like four days later this whole show happens careful what you wish for well this is my this is my fault i've accepted that it is my fault uh, <laughs> the monkey's paw finger curls down yeah. one. and uh so it's been i it's been a it's been a roller coaster of emotion this whole time i mean it's it's been you know initially when the first stuff first started coming out the first thing that we're doing is like all right where can iowa state go we're trying to like we're we're pulling the parachute we're getting the fuck out of here where like where are we going or whatever and obviously the first thing we're like let's go to the big 10 let's go to the big 10 that'd be awesome let's do the big 10 or whatever and we're like we're talking ourselves into it or whatever it's like this is great and then like that was is that first week of just complete and total chaos Wherever where the where the leaks first started happening, we're like, that's going. And then I was like, oh, it's not happening. The Big Ten, they were all like, Kansas and Iowa State are on a phone call with with uh, what's his name with the with the uh, Ohio State president, wherever. And like, well, maybe that didn't happen. Then it's just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And then Pac twelve, then we're like, ah, Pac twelve, eh, whatever, fine. And then then like then you go pressing like, what if they don't want us? What if neither? <laughs> we die. We just we just cry. That's all we do. We just go to Jack Trey Stadium and we cry a lot. And then it's kind of going back and forth and going back and forth. And, and then, and then this whole thing, this whole thing with Bob Bowlesby shooting cannon, shooting cannon shots across the bow, across the big 12 bow straight at Texas and Oklahoma and, and really more ESPN than anything or whatever. It like, then that whole thing blows up and that opened up a whole new can of worms that I don't know if people were ready. Like for as much as the, as the, as Bowlesby, Bob Bowlesby and the big 12, leadership in general has kind of has kind of been a joke for a, a little bit a, a little while i i gotta be honest i kind of respect bullsby for just like screw it i'm going down we're just firing off the torpedoes and seeing what we have <laughs> like i i get it and i kind of respect it or whatever so and i think the the allegations are serious enough serious enough and if assuming he does have the evidence to back because i don't know why you would say all that stuff if he didn't have anything but you know assuming that all that he's got evidence that some of this is at least at least somewhat true forever the, the allegations are serious enough to make people perk up a little bit and say okay well uh, hold on what's going on here because it it because it essentially accuses the espn of being this grand puppeteer that's just moving stuff around and using oklahoma and texas as pawns to do whatever they want with their with the sec and the acc and the, and then conspiring with the american athletic conference and stuff like that and it's that whole thing has been a been a whole thing and then we're starving for like realignment like oh we want to hear something new about where Iowa State's going to go or any of this and we're but I think we're also realizing that we're not going to hear anything for a while because these are these are like these are kind of tectonic plates that move I mean it takes a long time for this stuff to happen and if anybody thought that the Big Ten was going to pull the trigger on adding Iowa State and Kansas in like three days that's it's not gonna happen. Right. like I mean that wouldn't even happen if it was Notre Dame like, like it just doesn't happen that fast and it can't happen. And if, and if anyone was expecting the big 10 to make a decision that fast, it was not going to go in Iowa state's favor by right. sitting and by it waiting and by letting this thing kind of stew a little bit, letting things kind of shake out, let letting a little bit of time pass and giving the big 10 
you know, an option to figure out, are they going to expand? If they're going to expand, what's the strategy, you know, and what are they going to look for? What are their expectations? What's their checklist look like? And um, that, and I think it's the longer this drags out, I think it does actually kind of work in Iowa state's favor because it means more scenarios are coming up. Mm. Is it, I would just, Iowa state in Kansas. Uh, maybe, probably not, but maybe, I mean, it's, it's, it would be like the big 10 does kind of march to the beat of their own drum a little bit. So like when, when everyone says, well, they need to add, you know, if sec is adding Oklahoma and Texas, they need to add something to, to catch up or they need to do this. Like well, one, there is no two options anywhere in college football that can, that can, you can keep up with the Joneses with those two schools or whatever. I mean, I mean, if you found like Notre Dame and Clemson, maybe, but like, but I mean, for the most part, you're not really going to find two like that. And the Big Ten also may not really care that much about trying to keep up with the Joneses in that particular context, that mode. Um, but maybe they try to grab a few Pac-12 schools and then they make a kind of a Western, you know, they take the Big Ten West or they make some pods or whatever and they expand it. And then there's, it's, you know, I don't know, USC, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. And then you bring Kansas and Iowa State with them. You go to 20 and then you have two 10 team divisions or four or five team pods or whatever you want to do. Um, you can do all that type of stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot more scenarios that come up in that come into play the longer you wait. And we kind of got to see what's going to happen as far as when Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. It's, it's, there's, there's so many moving parts of this that. And just because the, the Texas and Oklahoma news is, is news to all of us and it is a bit of reactionary period. Let's not pretend like that also happened in a week or anything. These, these uh, landscape shifting decisions don't just happen with a snap of the fingers. There is planning, there is uh, constant conversation, there is negotiation there, you know, parties are, are, are aligned, which that in itself just takes a great deal of time. So I think that makes sense. I, I hope no one was, was sitting here hoping I, I get the, the dopamine hits that were, you know, each day of the past week and a half that was just like, new news, what was it? Oh, scandal, oh, you know, but they, they, there will be a quiet period and that's honestly probably a good thing as as that means things are, conversations are actually happening in private and things are moving. There's, there's news coming up so fast, but none of it was ever the news you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it was always something completely out of left field. They're like, like, oh my God, wait, like, see, like, let's see if I was staying in Kansas or going to the Big Ten. Bob Bowlesby accusing ESPN of high-level <laughs> corporate corruption? <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I didn't have that on my bingo card, but we're going with it. <laughs> That's just kind of, it's just like, okay, we're, we're doing this, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, I'll just say this for all of the Iowa state fans who joined Levi to listen and you know, you should, because it's always a good time when he comes on and good stuff gets talked about. You may be in various phases of the Kubler Ross grief cycle. It is very normal to, in fact, uh, bounce between them. It is it is not linear. You it is, it is a bit cyclical, and you may be bubbling from denial to anger to bargaining to depression and, and all the way back, or, or any steps along there. So, And that's okay, guys. As, as we said, uh, there's a process here for everyone, even for, for you know, Gerald and I, we've, we've joked about it. You know, we think that that like guys like Levi, people that you know we've heard in the past few weeks from from some of our other kind of sister SB Nation uh, sites. We think Big Twelve SB Nation and just Big Twelve Twitter is some of the funniest. You know, we, we've made friends along the way, and, and the idea that we're not playing for years and that goes away, it's like, oh man, that, man, that kind of sucks. We you can't have your cake and eat it too, but that, that that is a part of it. So we come to terms with our own cycle of change and, and acceptance of that, right? So uh, it, it is it is a, an interesting time, and and the cycle uh, will will play out, but uh, but I mean. We got the right guy here. We we will we will we will savor every morsel that we get uh, with you. And it doesn't mean we can't have you on. And it doesn't mean we may not end up in a basketball matchup. Or we'll find we'll find some way to play each other in years coming. I'm sure of it. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll take every chance we get to get some Levi in our lives. 
Well, I, I appreciate that. That makes me feel that makes me feel really, really good. <laughs> I don't know if it'll save Iowa State from the American Athletic Conference, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> but oh. you know what's funny? It was an interesting dynamic early on in that whole thing. Is there was a whole bunch of people trying to figure out who to point the finger at. And yeah. everybody was immediately like, it's Texas. It's definitely Texas. Doesn't even matter what's going on. It's Texas. It's their fault. And then, and then everyone's like, maybe it was OU. And they were just doing a really good job of using Texas as a meat shield. Yep. And then <laughs> but both, then the ESPN stuff comes out. It's like, wait a second. What if this is like three levels deep where ESPN is like, let's do this. And where you move Oklahoma and Texas around. Then Texas is like, and then, then they made Oklahoma think they're the great, like they gaslighted Oklahoma into thinking they're the, the masters of this whole thing. And then Oklahoma's like, we're going to get Texas to take the blame for this. <laughs> we all know Texas A&M is ultimately to blame for all of this, right? It's somehow it's, it's their fault forever. I know Iowa State is only like one in 14 lifetime against Texas A&M, but the only, the only one that ever counted was Todd Blythe catching four touchdowns on him. And that's, that's the only game of those that ever counted. I love Todd Blythe. The Oklahoma Board of Regents meeting was was really where this thing pivoted for, I think, a lot of people. Because the Oklahoma Regents spent, like, what felt like six hours just just spraying all over everyone that they'd ever come in contact with. I'm like, if if Texas was, was the villain at the start of this meeting, you guys are really, really helping us out. Right. <laughs> And that's, I don't I don't think anybody really still does truly know who to point the finger at at this. And that's like I don't know if there's even one person, but it's more like it's just, this whole the whole thing's a mess. I mean, I, I I'm of the opinion that this is pretty much all bad for college football. It's good for like it might be good for Texas and OU in the short term, but man, I I think this is a massive L for college football. But it's just me, and it's working on very little information compared to what is required to make an evaluation on it, but. If, how about this? If 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 it is if college football survives and it is you know obviously we, we all know it's going to change it's going to look different name and image likeness I mean there's a ton of things that are, that are it's just a, a, a literal landscape shifting is going on right now but but let's say as we understand it college football there are conferences going forward the conferences are as we know them if you had to pick the ideal Iowa State scenario that you talked about multiple scenarios where they ended up I mean, just from Levi, not necessarily speaking for the entire nation, but wh- where where would you? What was your ideal uh, next move? Oh, a Big Ten. It's not even close. I mean, it yeah. would be. I mean, that would be like Kingsbury level of falling ass backwards into a better job. Like, <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> sure. I mean, the Big Ten makes just so much sense for every everything you can think of. It makes sense geographically. You move Cyhawk and becomes a conference game. You open up a non-con game so you can play somebody interesting. You have natural built-in rivals with Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Illinois, which Iowa State has history with all of them. Mm. And yet you can it's a team that can immediately compete at the top of the division with Wisconsin. And you're you're right there. It fits at the academic profile because it's an AAU school. It fits what the Big Ten cares about. I mean it in every way, except that Iowa State is not a blue blood, it makes every bit of sense in the world. For Iowa State, your income, your your yearly revenue goes up by about $10 million, which I would say it's doing pretty good with Big 12 of our money right now. And the Big 10 money would theory, theoretically be a big old shot of nitrous right in the engine there. And you'd, I mean, it would be an unbelievable home run to end up in the Big 10. And I, I it's definitely not a, a, not definitely far from a 0% chance of it happening. I think it would be. That, I mean, legitimately, as much as it sucks right now, if Iowa State comes out of the other end of this thing in the Big Ten, it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to the university, hands yeah. down. Not even sure. close. 
And it's a wrestling conference. I keep saying this on Twitter. I, I want Iowa State and Oklahoma State in the Big Ten just because, re- like, wrestling conference. Come on. Like, get it together. Oklahoma State, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, all in the same conference. Like, the top six of the top seven wrestling programs in history, all in one conference. Do it. We we do have football to talk about because, again, <laughs> we, are, we are 30 days <laughs> – Right. Big Ten doesn't hardly have any baseball either, so we're not going to get baseball shamed the whole season, too. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you might deal with that. But so Matt Campbell, we, we have to start with Matt Campbell. Every offseason, they promise me he's going to leave and he doesn't. Uh, but he led Iowa State to, I believe, the second with the second nine win uh, season in school history, finished the top of the big last games. <laughs> right. It which is insane to think about finished at the top of the big 12 regular season standings. Again, every off season, they promise me he's going to leave and finally stop bugging me, but he, he sticks around. Um, and so like from your perspective, from what we've heard from him, what has made Iowa state the perfect fit for coach Campbell and like what he's trying to do in, in the college football landscape. You can, you can stem on this question forever, but like it it's, it is a little bit of a cliche, but the guy do the dude straight up is wired differently than everybody else. He just is. Like, I mean, I know, I know it is a cliche to say that, but it could not be more true with Matt. Like, he's had, I mean, the the offer that he reportedly got from the Jets or, or from the Lions or it was, like, $10 million a year. Like, it was, like, he, like, if that was real or whatever, like, turned down $10 million yeah. in the NFL to coach at Iowa State for four and a half. Like, you have to be, you have to be built a little different to do that. And, you know, there's the, there's kind of the, the legend that goes when he, when he was coaching Toledo, they played at Iowa State in 2015. And he said, you know, you know, as, as he, as he tells the story, you know, he came and walked around the stadium, walked around the tailgate lots or whatever, and called his wife and said, Hey, this place is pretty awesome. If this job ever comes open, I want to come here. And then sure shit, I would say beat to Leo in that game. Um, but sure shit, at the end of the season, Paul Rhodes gets, is gone. And now we're here with Matt. Um, and what, there's a lot of different things I think that go into him, that him wanting to stay here. It's not just one big thing. It's, it's a lot of little things where it's having Jamie Pollard, who is, you know, widely regarded as one of the better eighties in, in the country. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't remember where I saw it was at the athletic or whatever it was. They, they, they described him as he's kind of like of the current active athletic directors. He would be kind of on the Mount Rushmore right now, which I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know other people's athletic directors well enough, but that said something that someone would even include that in, in, in a description of him. So Jamie's really good at his job. He's really easy to work with. Um, he does a, he does a great job of helping keep Matt happy, getting him facilities and getting him what he needs to be successful. And that sometimes that is Matt giving up part of his salary to cover his assistants, assistant coaches salary during COVID and like, and helping in finding great players and developing them. And like, he gets a kick out of like the things that you, that like just like, Kind of the cheesy things they're like, coach, oh, I love developing players. Like the one, you know, the coaches, the things that coaches always say, like, oh, I love developing players. I love the process of getting them, of turning them from from boys into into young men and and develop them on the field and all this. He actually, that's that's what he cares about. That is legitimately what that dude loves doing. He loves taking finding a guy like Mike Rose in Brexville, Ohio, that was a point eight two or whatever it was on two four seven sports, stealing him away from Ball State and turning him into one of the best linebackers in college football. That's what Matt Campbell loves to do or finding Charlie Kohler at a Norman, you know, the guy that didn't, he was a big Oklahoma fan growing up, never got his Oklahoma offer. And now he unleashes Charlie Kohler on the entire conference, including Oklahoma for fun. Like that, like 
that kind of stuff is what gets Matt going. It, it, is, it is building relationships with people, helping, you know, and, and helping these, the community of Ames grow. I mean, he likes living here. Ames is a great place to live and it's, it's small. There's not like a lot there. I mean, it's not like a, it's like an Austin or something like that where you guys a huge nightlife or anything like that. It's not that it's a small town. Uh, well, relatively speaking, not it's pretty big for Iowa, but it's small to everybody else. Um, but you know, it's, it's a fairly small town, but it's, it's a really great place to live and, and it's a strong sense of community, all of that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons to really like coaching at Iowa state. Cause it's, and it's a, it's a program that it has, it has resources to do what you need to do. It's not like rich, it's not like Texas rich or ECU rich, right? It's not that, but it's, we've got enough resources to pretty much kind of do what you want to do, but you don't have the eyes, the pressure, you don't have all that you don't have a fan base of bearing down on you. If you lose one game that they're going to try to, they're going to try to put you up on a cross and, and fire you. Like, I mean, it's, it's a whole, it's not, you don't have that. You have, you have resources. You'll have time to do what you want. You have a supportive fan base that packs that stadium whenever they can, they travel. I think there's going to be 20,000 fans in Las Vegas to watch them play. You watch, watch them kick the shit out of UNLV in September. Like just stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of really attractive parts of the Iowa state job. And, and you, you're starting to see that with a lot of young coaches now too, where they're starting to realize that the grass is not always greener right. at the bigger house across the street. Like it's on the other side of the fence. It's, it's not always greener. And there, and you, you're starting to see a trend. It's still, you still see coaches jumping up and stuff like that, but you know, how much more attractive is Tennessee or Florida state? How much, how much more attractive is that than Ames? Or the, and then Iowa State, where you can you're you're going to be free to do whatever you want. There's no pressure. If you if you win eight nine games, you're going to be celebrated like a god. Matt, yeah. Campbell, Matt Campbell will have a statue outside of Jack Rice Stadium. Even if he lives that leaves after the season, the dude's getting a statue. Well, and look, I mean, I I played a lot of NCAA back in the day. There's something about building that program that isn't expected to be the national contender. And when you do it, you just you know you could kind of thumb your nose at everybody else. And like I did it. Well, you know, if if uh, no one else could, and and you know that's that's got to be a pretty cool feeling and, and have some allure. But one thing that I know, again with extensive NCAA dynasty building is that uh, it's easy to come back when you have one of the better players at their position in college football coming back. And and that's my incredible segue to say Brees Hall's back for his third season, leading the nation in rushing uh, last year, over 1500 yards again with a couple less games, uh, I believe 21 touchdowns. Uh, so the expectations are obviously, I mean, incredibly high. I'm sure in Ames, obviously from everyone else looking from the outside in, what, what are the realistic expectations of where he can go uh, this year? Specifically for Brees Hall. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he keeps up his per game average, he's going to be, he's going to be flirting with 2000 yards. If he just does exactly what he did last year and you extrapolate it out to a few extra games, I mean, yeah, 2000 yards. Do I think he's going to get to 2000 yards? I don't know. That's a pretty big number, but you know, and you know, there's not very many people that have rushed for 2000 yards. Now, granted the first two were Iowa state was an Iowa state running back, which is kind of <laughs> funny, but um, you know, it's not, uh, that's a big, that's a big number. I don't know if it'd be fair to say, well, if he doesn't get 1800 yards, then it's a failure. It's, I don't think that's fair at all. I mean, even, even 1500 yards for a full season, cause he had what 1547 or something like that last season. And uh, if he ends up with that exact number again, in a few couple fewer games, but he catches more passes or whatever, or he's got better yards per carry, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's plenty successful. If he's, if he's got 1500 yards and I don't know, 15 to 20 touchdowns at the end of the season, I'd, certainly consider that 
uh, a successful season. Is it going to be enough to win him the Doak Walker? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know, if he if he like if he just does exactly what he did last season, but you just like, you just stretch it out to two more games, he's probably a Doak Walker. He's probably going to win the Doak Walker. He's probably you know a French Heisman finalist. Maybe he's in New York. Like I mean, and it, you know, part of that will depend on how I, how good Iowa State is as a team. If Iowa State is only eight and four, he's not going to get there. But if he's if they're ten and two, eleven and one, or something like that, then he's got a good shot at it. Um, but you know, the great the, the the way I've described how Brees Hall works on this team is that, and especially and especially just for Iowa State as as a whole team, is that Brees sets your floor and Brock sets your ceiling. So if Brock Purdy's playing really good, Iowa State can be an unbelievably good team. But when you have Brees back there your floor is much higher because you can just give the ball to breeze. He'll get you a buck 50. He'll get you a buck 50 on 20, 25 carries. And that's, you just, you can just, you can just write it down for that. And that's what happens. And buck 50 and a couple touchdowns. And that's just what breeze says. He gives you a floor. He gives you a really nice high floor. When you have that group of tight ends and you have breeze and you have a good offensive line, like Iowa state does. Which God, I can't believe I just said that out loud, but <laughs> um, you know, when you have that when you have a running game, your floor is pretty high. That's, I mean, that, there's a reason that coaches always say, well, you got to build around the running game. You got to build around the running game. That's because the running, bank, running game sets your floor. When you have a guy like Brees Hall, you have a pretty high floor. And you, you gotta, you're you killing the segues tonight, which, again, it's why I really appreciate you having. The, the, Absolutely murder your structure of your podcast. N- no, you, this this was actually per- the next one was Brock Purdy, right? Like, um, Brock Purdy is heading into what feels like his 15th season uh, playing for Iowa State. Well, he could come back again next year. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us would hate that. Maybe I don't care. Maybe we're in a different conference. Who knows? It won't even affect you. <laughs> it, might, it might not affect me at all. But um, he's heading into a senior season, and, and it's pretty clear that he is, like, this, the second-best quarterback in the conference. Like, like, far and away, I think you've got Rattler – Purdy, and then a couple of other guys that could probably be in a conversation for number three, right? But but Purdy is, is pretty clearly the, the second guy there. So building on what we just talked about for Brees Holland and how Brock Purdy sets your ceiling, like what is the ceiling for him and like what, it, what, what does success look like for him and how good does he have to be for Iowa State to achieve their goals this year? Well, we saw when Brock – like if you could take the second half of the Baylor game – onto the end of the regular season and even kind of into the championship game. He threw some picks in the championship game, but it was otherwise pretty good. Um, if you, but if you really take the, the second half of the Baylor game to the end of the season, so that's the second half of the Baylor game, that's the Kansas state blowout. That's Texas. That's West Virginia and, and the West Virginia blowout, I should say. And mm-hmm. <laughs> just want to throw that in real quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> the last two home games, I was, I was stayed outscored their opponents, you know, 97 to six. So, but <laughs> Um, but Brock was really good. He didn't throw like he didn't throw 40 times a game. He threw like 25 or 30 passes and he completed 15 or 20 of them or whatever. If Brock is, you know, around 65, 70%, you know, pushing 70%, he's limiting his turnovers. The dude's just got to be Alex Smith. That's all he's got to be. Be a hmm. game manager. Complete passes, hit Charlie Kohler on stick routes and ruin people's lives on stick routes for first downs. Hit, hit, uh, Xavier Hutchinson on some crossing routes. Hit Tariq Milton deep a couple times here and there. Don't really need to push the ball downfield too much because you got those two guys and you've got Brees Hall. Just do your job. Don't throw interceptions. Don't turn the ball over. That's it. That's all he's got to do. If he does that and Brees Hall does his thing, Iowa State can be a 10-11 win team without, like, I mean, that like everybody doing their job is Iowa State getting to 10 wins. And that and that's kind of where it's at. But if Brock is really good, if Brock is, like, if Brock is at his at his peak, 
I mean, they're they're gonna they can they can absolutely push for an undefeated regular season if he's playing at his peak for a whole season. Now, the whole question with Brock is how when is he gonna be at his peak? When's he gonna be struggling? How long is it gonna take him to get up to speed? Because last season it took five, six games for him to really mm-hmm. get going. Um, which Iowa State can't really afford. I mean, they the schedule is is backloaded, so they if if they have another slow start, they can recover and still come out of that first stretch undefeated. But you know. Brock needs to be good the whole season. He, he just does. He needs to be consistent. He doesn't have to be his best the whole season. He just has to be fine. He has to do his job. That's what he's got to do the whole season. If he does that, that gets Iowa State a lot of wins. And when you're a quarterback and you're looking for a, uh, I might be at my best, but I just need these yards real quick, like you mentioned, uh, a tight end is a pretty good way to do that. And, of course, of 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 course, but let's talk specifically because I think that tight end room is the is certainly the the most dangerous in the country outside of teams that run the option. I don't know many teams that can throw three tight ends on the field and 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 have an equal run pass threat. I mean, tell me a little bit about you know other than just being the most Iowa thing in the world. Uh, what advantages uh, that gives you know a look that a lot of not a Big Twelve defenses uh, necessarily are ready for. Well, I mean, part of it is their size. I mean, Charlie Kohler's 6'6", 250. Chase Allen's like 6'6", 6'7", 240, something like that. Last year, he held Dylan Saner, who was 6'8", 270. Now, he's gone, but you still got a couple other guys back there that are 6'5", 6'6", 250 range or something. I mean, like, they recruit absolutely enormous human beings for that round, for that room, for one. And Big 12 defenses tend to be a little bit smaller to, to get more speed just as a general rule, not, not mm-hmm. universal, but generally speaking, smaller, faster defenses. Well, as like a, a bunch of people have found out the last few years, that doesn't cover Charlie Kohler. That doesn't, that doesn't do it because you can drape of, you can, Brandon Radley Hiles found that a bookie found that out <laughs> in, a, in a hard, hard way that you can, you can just literally hang on him. If you want, he's going to catch it and you're still going to get the defensive pass interference and you're just going to have to deal with it. Chihuahuas fighting Great Danes usually works out really well. That's, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. Usually, it usually works out for good for the Chihuahua, and <laughs> and and that's just, that's part of the philosophy, and that's the way Iowa State receivers have been too. Generally speaking, Iowa yeah. State has pretty yeah. pretty big receivers. They've got a couple small slot receivers, but otherwise, the if they're not a small slot receiver, they're pretty big. Yeah. They're usually yeah. six three, six five, six three six to six five range, give or take. Some six six is like they the guy uh, Tristan Michaud. He's a he's Canadian. He's a red shirt. Well, he'd be a covid freshman this year he's six six something um sean shaw jinx oklahoma he's six six um yeah so they 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 recruit size because they know that you know is iowa state going to be able to get the absolute is are they going to be able to pull the top end speed are they ever going to get like a guy like a like a jalen waddle where he just porches everybody probably not but they can get guys that are tall and they got they have good hands and that good that block really well they can they can play big 10 football or, or a, a, a fun version of Big Ten football. And it creates a huge matchup problem for most everyone in the conference because everybody else is trying to stop Oklahoma. And I would say it's like, well, we can stop Oklahoma, but we're going to do our own thing on offense. And we're going to do the opposite of Oklahoma. And you're also not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be fun for any of us. It won't be, it'll be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> like, ask Oregon. They were like, they were like, oh, man, we've got all these great recruits. And we're like... That's cool because definitely Oklahoma and Texas don't have good recruits. <laughs> and, you know, and then they found out that death by a thousand paper cuts is so much less fun. Slowly bleeding out on uh, on the bowl field. I mean, when you get when you just get Brace Hall and Dylan Saner just trucking people going for five, six yards a pop all game, just ev- like every play, just bang, bang, bang. Like it's 
the, like it's just hard. To, you just can't sustain that on defense. You just can't. No, not. I mean, you wear down. It's it is it is not the football that is commonly played nowadays. But the old ways are still uh, still effective. Come to find out, um, the three the three the three stack defense. I, am I blowing your segue again? No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Continue. Like the three stack defense or whatever, that's not a new concept at all. I mean, like three down, like a three, like a stack defense, three stack defense is not new at all. But John Haycock's like, hey, I bet this would work pretty good against Oklahoma. Turns out it does. And when you have a personnel to do it, it's pretty good. So it's not like we're, we're probably done in football as far as like, like brand new innovative concepts. Like we've got pretty much every base covered as far as offensive scheme goes. Like, we have everything from a triple option to Mike Leach. I mean, and everything in between. There's a combination of everything in between. So, like, there, like, is there any going to be like truly new concepts that come up? Probably not very often. But you can still find stuff in the old one. You can adapt it a little bit in in the old ways or whatever you want to call it in older schemes and fit them to new stuff like the free stack. You know, it's air rate is way newer than three stack defense. But turns out if you if you do a really good job and you, and you line up your cloud coverage just right, you've got the good personnel that can hold down the interior of that offensive line. Well, you can drop eight, and it's really hard to throw yeah, against yeah. eight co- against eight people in coverage. And especially when your coverage does a really good job of being disciplined and being good open field tacklers and doing all the things that you're supposed to do well. When you have when the guys that are that do the individual stuff really well, you can run a defense like that and have a lot of success with it, even though it's not a new concept at all. You don't have to be a you don't have to be a trendsetter. You, like, you, don't, you don't have to be some innovative genius to be good at football. You just got to know what you're doing and where you're using it and how, and how, to, how to implement it properly. So let's let's dive in on that that defense and the the three three five and all of that. Um, Iowa State was like a late game boa constrictor last year. They they gave up uh, sixteen second half points in their final five games of the year, which is just absolutely dumb, right? right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, we all hate him. No, you love him. We hate him. No, so. Uh, so the Iowa State loses Jaquan Bailey on on that front line, but they've got Will McDonald and um, a name I'm not I'm gonna butcher here. Eo- Nobody really ever calls him by his real first name. It's his his he goes, he goes by any E N Y I, any Wazarike. But anyway, he's never, coming I've back. Never, I'm not sure if I've ever even heard someone try to pronounce his first name. Like I don't even know I, if he uses it. <laughs> he's just bailed on it. <laughs> it, it. I I looked I looked at the roster. It's what it said. It's here we are now. But. How do they like? How do you? It's impossible to replace a guy like Jaquan Bailey. Like you don't, you don't replace Jaquan Bailey, right? But you try your best. You try, you try to find a guy who's close enough and see if they could build into it. So, what does that, what does that group look like? What does that defense look like um, without Bailey, who's now gone on to to the next level? So the day with the three stack defense, especially when you've got three down defensive linemen, your nose tackle is a huge part of that. I mean, he's he's the he's the linchpin of that whole defense because if he doesn't do his job, then you can't get a pass rush, you can't do your run fits or anything like that. So having any Wazarike back is huge. It's, he's been around every, but he's been actually been around longer than Brock Purdy has. Um, and he started his career at like 6'5", 240, 250 uh, as a, as, a, as a tall defensive end basically, and now he's up to six five three twenty. So he's a, he's a big boy now. Um, anybody he's, he's got defensive end type instincts but he's playing nose tackle um but you, i mean you, like you know you said you can't really place replace replace jaquan bailey and while that's sort of true um replacing him with a guy that led the country in sacks and has never started a game in his life and will probably be the all-time sack leader after like six games this season probably 
about as good as you could ask for. Um, and anybody that watches tape can know Will McDonald is a major problem. He is really good. He's probably, I would say, his best shot at a first round pick, first round draft pick after the season. He, he would still have, he would still have two full seasons left to play after this one if he wanted to. Um, but uh, with the uh, with how much the NFL values pass rushers, I mean, if he has another good season where if he because if he's on pace, um, he he'll end up with probably in the neighborhood of thirteen or fourteen sacks this season, um, which is a pretty good number um you know i would say it's career record before jaquan bailey was 18 and a half and he's gonna get 14 in one season probably it, it, that was easy that's like easily one of the most embarrassing i would say career records is our sack <laughs> record uh now it's pretty good it's like 24 now i think like someone without jaquan bailey so it's, it's respectable it's not like great but it's respectable will will mcdonald especially if he stays his whole if he stays his whole career he's gonna he'll be he he'll probably if he stays for his full career he's gonna be the big 12's all-time leader in sacks um, which includes like Von Miller. Uh, I mean, he's he's a monster. I mean, as, as you can watch the tape. I mean, there's like there's like he's like one of the, he's like a three true outcome defensive end. Either he puts your quarterback on the ground, he gets a holding penalty, or he makes your quarterback absolutely crap himself trying to get the ball out of his hand at, at, in time before Will McDonald <laughs> gets to him. Like he, like you know, you get the three true outcome hitter in baseball. He's like a three true outcome defensive end. Um, he's legitimately terrifying to deal with. But he's got guys across from him now too. You got Blake Peterson's a young guy. He came out as he's. Uh, four-star guy he came out of South Dakota. He's got a crazy mop of blonde curly hair. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's like an, it looks it looks like a perm, but it's not. It might be. I don't know. It looks like a perm. Though. I I want to know his hairdresser in Ames, Iowa, who's given him a perm if that's the case. Well, he had his perm. He had what looked like a perm when he was in Vermilion, South Dakota. So there's somebody up there. Even yeah, guys. maybe they traveled with him. It's I'm I'm the small town perm expert of the greater uh, North and Midwest. I understand. <laughs> So you got that. You got guys like Corey Suttle is a guy that can come up. You've got uh, Zach Peterson has played a lot of snaps at Iowa State. Um, you've got uh, Tucker Robertson's another guy that can get in there. I mean, they've got lots of guys back there. Will McDonald is still he'll he'll get the most attention now for sure. But that leaves room for other guys to step. I'm and those guys are plenty talented to to, to um, take advantage of that extra space that they'll probably get with Will McDonald getting likely double teamed fairly frequently. So, oh, I was going to say we know Mike Rose is really good we know he's probably the best you know defensive player in the big 12 he he, he has conversations and, and this year we'll say a lot of where he ranks as one of the better defensive players in the country right um I, there are some other guys though in that linebacking room jake hummel ryan vance are both really good um i think your safety play with with greg eisworth and and i think probably jaquan amos on the other side of him is really good what is is there a weakness on the defense if you had to say it and if you say no there's none we're perfect okay we understand but if you had to say one where do you where are you watching the most as, as a weak point on on the defense fans if there is one weak spot I, I don't i'm not gonna say it's like a weak spot but it's the weakest spot i will say is is the second corner anthony johnson was a i think he was second all team big 12 he's probably he probably should have been first team um but whatever um They've probably been an excessive number of Iowa State players on the first team if they put it there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Anthony Johnson had a really good season last year. He had the season mm -hmm. that we thought he was going to have in like 2019. We thought he was going to make the jump a little bit earlier, but he did. He had a really good season, um, showed it against some really good receivers. He really frustrated the hell out of Tylen Wallace. Um, couple, really held his own against some really good receivers. And so he's kind of got that first one locked down. But the second corner spot's got to get locked down. Daytron Young is, it's been Daytron Young and, and Tavon Kyle that have split that time mostly up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, they both have limitations. Uh, Tavon Kyle was a receiver head, so his his natural instincts are, are – he still needs more polish as far as kind of the technical side of it. Daytron Young is small, and he's not very fast, and he has a tendency to blow deep coverages. 
So it's not not ideal there. The guy, I, if I had to put some money on who's going to end up be eating the most starts there this season, it's probably going to be TJ Tampa. You think he's so? A, okay. He's a co- he's a COVID freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an incredible athlete. I mean, if, yeah. I don't know if I've seen some of the videos of him dunking in high school games, but he's, mm-hmm. he's an unbelievable athlete. Um, and I think he, there's a really good chance that he gets that he gets playing time as well. I think I think if I if I were a betting man, I would say by the end of the season. We're going to see TJ Tampa getting lining up across from Anthony Johnson. I think that's a very good thing for Iowa State because he's the guy that can be around for three or four more years, or three years anyways, after this one, and and be Iowa State's lockdown corner for the for quite a while. Okay, so let's let's put a pin, let's put a put a point on the football stuff for for with this last question, Levi. If if there's one storyline that you are watching for 2021 if you're like this is the thing i'm paying the closest attention to what's that thing for iowa state in 2021 rockford it's it's keeping an eye on how consistent is he what's he doing is he forcing throws that he doesn't need to is he pushing the ball downfield um to hit like a Tariq milton or something like that deep what does brock look like because if brock like i said you know like i said earlier if brock is consistently doing his job i was taking on a lot a lot of football games if he's Putting him in difficult situations like they did against Baylor last year. Now they won, they beat Baylor um, after a pretty big second half comeback. But he can't be throwing three picks in the first half. That's just not that's not sustainable. And or even like TCU, he had a really he had kind of a rough game. Or you know he, he can't be having really. I mean you can't expect the guy to never throw a pick. But it's more. But you know instead of throwing six picks, he needs to throw three, something like that. You know every little turnover makes a big difference. And like I said, Brock sets the ceiling. I would say it's got a high floor because of how much veteran experience they have, how how rock solid the defense always is, how good the running game should be. Like the floor is fairly high for Iowa State. Like where eight and four would be probably kind of a disappointment. Would be would it, I would definitely categorize eight and four as a disappointment, um, which is fucking bonkers land for Iowa State football. But here we are. Um, but Brock can take you from nine wins to eleven wins or twelve wins. He can he can do that by playing well in by not turning the ball over so that's that's what i'm that's what i am most looking forward to paying attention to throughout the whole season is, is what does brock look like is he having fun playing because i know a couple a couple years ago when you know all that pressure was on in the beginning of last year too um that he has a tendency to t- kind of t- tense up at times and see and to feel like in play like he has to make all the plays but i mean sure it, by now he definitely knows that he doesn't he's got Brooke Hall. he's got charlie kohler all he has to do is throw it just anywhere within ten feet of Charlie Kohler, and he'll come up with it. Or whatever. He's got a lot of a lot of safety nets. Know that he can he can do what he needs to do. He doesn't have to force anything. He doesn't have to be Superman. He has to just go out there and just do his job. And if Brock is playing loose, he's having fun, he's doing all that stuff. That's good Brock Purdy. That's the Brock Purdy we want to see. So we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it, that was that was a great punctuation for for the football related stuff. We uh, we like to throw some random stuff at you, Levi, because that's that's really really fun stuff. So um, we we came up with with the new name for this year of our rapid fire called shooting from the hip. It's kind of a bit now that we just come up with a new name for this rapid fire section every year. But my my first question is, and a lot of people don't know this probably about you, um, but you you also have a d and D live play podcast called. Um, uh, with rolls and no luck. So if that's your thing, check it out on wherever you get podcasts. But my my question, I, I want to hear from you. If if you were DMing for for Matt Campbell, 
right? What what would maybe it's his first time? What what class would you push him to? Like what what where would you make Matt Campbell recommend he play in your game? That's a good one. I think I'm I would probably push him towards a paladin because I think he's kind of got the he's kind of got a little bit of fighter aspect to it. But paladins are also like very like lawful good neutral good type of thing like they don't really mess around too much and very rarely i mean you can't have an evil paladin but most of the time they're good and they're basically never neutral and he's kind of you know uh paladins specific are kind of man of their faith they're a fan of the process is what paladins are and uh i i i think matt campbell would be a paladin i do i i think he's he's got a dedication to his to his process to his his chosen you know religion of football whatever you want to call it but he's there he helps people out he's a charismatic guy yeah all that i think he's a paladin all right so uh for all the non-nerds thank you for sticking with us let's keep this thing rolling uh, <laughs> uh, uh kicker connor uh a sally we don't pronounce it as sally of course is returning for his sixth season of both football and butt related humor uh much to the light of of bloggers uh worldwide um, what is your favorite uh, faux fanny nickname that that Connor has been given? Mm, see, we we actually did an article about this right when he kind of first started blowing up. <laughs> and we had, we came up with literally like 150 of them. Oh my god! Oh my I, god. There, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna let me a little bit look it up real quick. Let me see if I can find it. Um, there we go. Fitzpatrick Connor, Connor Sally nickname list. All right, we'll see. We've got here. We've got a bunch of winners here. There's a lot of really good ones. We've got. <laughs> Uh, Anus Annex, Booty Bayou, Badonkadonk Bluff, Butt Boulevard, uh, Caboose Court, Kulo Causeway, Derrier Divide, Dumper Drive, Fanny Freeway, Fart Box Fork, Gluteus Maximus Glen, Moneymaker Motorway, Posterior Parkway, Poop Shoot Promenade, Rump Road, Tookus Trail, Turt Cutter Turnpike, Tush Terrace, and Wazzy Way. Let me just say, Gerald and I are, are not young men, but you just activated the six-year-old part of our brain that actually is probably more... More than half of our brain. brain. If I had to nominate one, I'd probably say Turd Cutter Turnpike's my favorite. <laughs> okay, but. Okay. That, it, that will never get old. Again, we apologize for our actual adult listeners. Um, but I have to ask a follow-up because, you know, I write the Texas pregamer. It's my joy to, to, to comb through the, the roster every year for a better Noah roster, obviously, which is completely satirical. But um, I uh, last year, I think my favorite name, again, this is – I had – been scoping uh connor we'll call him as his government name for years but uh, there was a couple that i really liked tj tampa came up because i thought it sounded like gronkowski's alias that he parties under uh, it, it just is a good name right it sounds so fake um i thought there was a guy named blaze and i have a, a dog and i just imagine him with flames down the side um um, he's the son of Todd Doxon, who was an iowa state quarterback in the 90s and is currently or it was or is currently the play-by-play radio announcer for the Atlanta Falcons. I love that. I did not know that at all. Thank you. Um, tell me then, what is your favorite name on the, the current Iowa State roster? Uh, TJ Tampa is a pretty good one. Um, it used to be Chandler Pulvermacher, but he is no longer on the roster. <laughs> um, that's a, he's a linebacker. Yeah, too. He's a yeah. linebacker from Wisconsin. His last name is Pulvermacher. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on. Um, ooh, if I'm not, not going to go – if I'm not going to say TJ Tampa – um <laughs> that's that's if it's if it if it is him that's that's fair that's that's like oh definitely better name than tj tampa like I, I get it i mean this is the school that brought you all the jance family i when i talked about chandler pulvermacher I, th- I thought it sounded like one of the henchmen from uh the original diehard um i i totally like i i it is a gold mine a treasure trove 
of names. So that's that's fair if if I uh, if I stole yours because I think uh, I will I will have a, a time going through it again this year and and I will gladly gladly so everyone can read the uh, the better Noah roster section for the Iowa State game to see uh, who gets the the the, the most uh, ribbing. You know if it's uh, if it's Benjamin Dunkelberger just for his uh, for his ridiculous Midwesternness or, or what. But we'll we'll let you go on that one. We have others uh, queued up. For you. If you want the, if you want like a a funny one, it's like Easton Dean as a tight end. He sounds like a Hillary Duff love interest. <laughs> Absolutely. Or yeah, in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, in a Nicholas Sparks mo- movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. Yeah. 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 A country singer who's trying to make it on the red dirt scene for right. sure. Right. Yeah. Easton Dean. Perfect. All right. So speaking with names and images and, and likenesses, right? It's it's the NIL era. Name, image, and likeness is a thing. So if you had to pick an Iowa State player and a product for them to hawk, what's the best pairing you can come up with? Iowa State player and something for them to sell with their name, image, and likeness. Well, I mean, there's lots of good ones. This is probably a good time that I should plug Bad Kick Apparel because we have actually nice. signed a few Iowa State athletes. Nice. Specifically, we have signed Connor Sally, Rory Walling, <laughs> and Connor Guess, and former Iowa State softball player Sammy Williams. So Connor Sally's thing is we all, we we do this thing called they're called signature series. So we put like a, their likeness on it. We give them like a saying, and then they put their signature at the bottom. Um, Connor's says "kick ass" on it or whatever, and it's got him. And Rory Walling's got his own thing. Connor Guess is a long snapper. So he's got one. It's a picture of him that's like he's doing a snap and he's looking back like through his legs. And it just says bottoms up on it. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, so dumb. I love it. And then we got Slamming Sammy, Sammy Williams. She was a softball player. She's one of the, probably the best Iowa State softball player ever. Um, so we've got those. We've got a couple more that we're, that we're talking to along and uh, in that. So aside from plugging my own bad kick apparel for all that. Um, uh, there's a few, there's a few obvious ones. I mean, like Mike Rose, if he's going to do like one eight hundred flowers or something like that, oh, that's, a, that's yeah. an obvious one. Slammed up. Uh, yeah. Um, Reese Hall. I mean, like Hall's cough drops is an obvious one. You've got, um, I mean like Trevor Downing is a farmer and that's his whole deal. So if he like showed up in a case IH commercial sometime, that would not even, not even shock me. Um, <laughs> I think, and I, if I remember correctly, seeing the video, I'm pretty sure they're a, they're a red tractor family. They don't do John. They don't. They do Case IH, not John Deere. Um, uh, you know, there's a few of them too. Like, um, oh, I had a couple other ones that I off the top of my head. Like TJ Tampa feels like he should be promoting a nightclub. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> that's, that's feels like that's exactly what that is. Um, I mean, and then Will McDonald. I mean. McDonald's. We're loving it. Obviously, yes. And, well, and actually, I would say it has Craig McDonald too. No relation, but Craig McDonald and Will McDonald could both do it. Could both do it for McDonald's. Yeah. But I, my nomination would be Mike Rose doing one eight hundred flowers. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, Levi, we we uh, we've been going for like an hour, which is the longest one of these we've done. You beat out um, Melissa Treeblosser and and. Um, and Kamiar for, for, I think, the longest one of these that we're going to do. Kyle, you got one more? No, I was going to say, but honestly, the shortest Levi has ever done on our podcast. So, you know, we're, we're falling <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> that is what you, you call if you, you wouldn't call we it love if you didn't it. want content. We Every love it. time we content. adore it. Every time we the, adore the it. content gods must be appeased, which is something <laughs> that you do more prolifically than than most people I know, Levi. So, where, if people want more of you, you've got a bunch of stuff going on, man. Where can they find you on the internet? 
Well, there's obviously Wide Right Night Eli is the most visible outlet of mine. Uh, we have every Tuesday we do on our YouTube on the Wide Right YouTube page. We have uh, our own take on kind of late night is a, called the Nightcap. We've had a bunch of guests on there. We've had we've had Dave Montgomery and Alan Lazard. We found and interviewed Steel Jance, and it was delightful. <laughs> um, nice, easily the best one we've done. But then we talked to like John Walters, who's the Iowa State color uh, analysis. We talked to Keith Murphy, who's a big anchor and news anchor up here this way. Uh, we talked to a bunch of you know Iowa State athletes that were here, um, and we talk about it's we got funny stuff, we got trivia games, and I'll show that. But anyways, beyond that, we've got our podcasts. We've got so we have with rolls and no luck is the D and D is a D and D podcast that I DM for. Um, Bad kick apparel is what I was just talking about before, uh, where we we do apparel for for a wide right for. Frogs of War, Cowboys Ride for Free, and we also do it for Red Cup Rebellion, which is Ole Miss's uh, SP Nation site. Um, and beyond that, now we're getting into the individual uh, athlete name, image, and likeness stuff. So we're giving them their own signature shirt. They're making money off of those. So if you want to help support student athletes, you can do that. And actually, Rory Walling has a shirt, another one that he's donating all of the profit. That we're actually we're we're both donating all of the profits from the shirt to a um, a veterans charity. I think uh, uh, it's uh, Puppy Jake. Uh, all the, 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 the proceeds Very from cool. that are going to that charity. Very um, cool. And then beyond that, I'm also the drummer in a band called Mars by Morning. <laughs> and still you carved out time for us. It is, it is utterly amazing how you do it all. It- I also have a full-time <laughs> job as an engineer, so I don't know. That's- <laughs> well, say no, you've shamed us enough. Say, say no more. If there's, if there's others, keep them to yourself. My parents thought I was doing not enough already, so they're not going to listen to this one. Levi, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Gerald. So let's wrap it up nicely. Good conversation always with our friend. Now let's talk about what we're doing ourselves, what we're watching on those giant screens. Gerald. I actually didn't do a whole lot of watching. I, uh, I mentioned our hometown of Shirts, Texas in the opening, and I actually drove to and from Shirts, Texas over the, probably since the last time you heard us uh, to get my son down to see his grandparents for the first time since 2019. Got two sons. They got to go to Shirts because now we're all uh, COVID safe, and so we were able to go down and see them. So I listened to a couple of audiobooks. Um, the first one of the ones I listened to is called Chasing Failure. It's by a guy named Ryan Leak. It's about um, kind of finding your thing and not being afraid of failure, you know, and it's a, it's a classic thing, but it's really based around his experience, um, trying to fail at making an NBA roster. He was a, he was a, uh, D3 all American, really solid basketball player, but really wanted to show people that like, even if you try at something and fail, it's not the end of the world. So he ended up actually trying out for the Phoenix suns and, and not making the roster obviously. But, uh, it's like the lessons he learned through that, uh, through that process. Great book, really quick read. If that's your thing, I listened to the audio book. Um, and then I, I dove back into a, a series that I enjoy. It's called the Reckoners series. If you're not familiar with it, uh, brand Brandon Sanderson, who's probably one of the most prolific like sci-fi and fantasy writers of the modern day, he's completed like two series in the time that it's taken George R. R. Martin to put out not a single Game of Thrones book, uh, but he um, he wrote a, a, a superhero series about um, what would happen if superheroes were actually sociopaths. It's actually really interesting. Uh, so the third book in the series is called Firefight. I enjoyed it. It was great. Listen to it on the drive home over the weekend. So Gerald, I. Uh traveled some you know and uh i am a i'm a plain reader by nature i i read books 
on planes um and i actually finished my uh book before my my last flight i had segments in flights i hate uh not non-stop flights with a with a burning passion um but I read, since you talked audiobooks, I'm going to talk old-fashioned reading books. I read Sing, Unburied, Sing, uh, a novel by Jasmine Ward um, that is is wonderful. I could not recommend it highly uh, enough. A fantastic writer from Mississippi who captures, I think, took the mantle from like a, like a Faulkner into the 21st century, captures kind of a little bit of just kind of Southern Gothic, uh, mystical, um, but tells kind of the the urban um, poor experience, but weaves in kind of both uh, mythology and and family mythology. That this one particular family kind of kind of lives through traumas, both present and past, and how those come together and shape kind of this this wild tale of this non conventional family. And it's it parts gruesome to read and tough to to hear and think about and, and vivid in detail it's well written uh, but it, it will keep you turning the pages and so I spent um, the first few flights reading that and and um, it's gripping but I needed something light afterwards and so I did actually watch something I'm going to use the segment not on my giant screen but on a, a small iPhone uh, screen uh, my my wife suggested we watch something fun together and share the headphones and uh, and so we put on Shrek, which Gerald, no prep for you. What year do you think the first Shrek film came out in? Two thousand and one. That's right. You are exactly right. It just it, it it seems like it was like ten years ago, not like twenty full years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, two decades. That is just wild. I guess you probably have you're you're reliving some of the animated films with with the little ones. So I you're maybe more recent in it. My son is not watching Shrek until he's fifteen. <laughs> Fair enough, because it holds up incredibly well. The humor still spot on. Uh, the the voice acting. I mean, it is just an all time one of the best movies ever. Like that's undisputed. I mean, each of the tracks are pretty good, but that first one, how delightful uh, was it? But yeah, that's that's basically my takeaway, guys. For a twenty year old movie take, here it is. You should watch Shrek if you haven't. What the heck you've been doing with your life? Um, but it is—it legitimately held up well. I laughed multiple times on an airplane, like which I always think is funny when you just laugh in public and other people look at you. Uh, but that absolutely happened. And at one point, I set the the uh, iPhone after my wife fell asleep thirty minutes into it uh, up on the top of the seat, and I noticed when I looked around, like four people around me were watching Shrek with no sound, just because. Come on, Shrek's on. Who's not gonna watch Shrek? So uh, again, if you're here for for decades belated movie takes uh watch shrek guys it's uh it's as good as it's ever been i uh i might have to do a rewatch we'll see uh we'll see how it goes but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet um you can follow me on twitter i'm at gh gooder to all the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. It just means more. Hook them.